Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm here with Dan Rudman, and we are in part three of a series that we're doing on leadership. I guess, well, maybe part six, but part three on the part of our series where we are kind of digging into the definition of what a leader is and digging into what the Bible has to say about leadership. And so we've been working through this definition, and we're at the third part, third element yeah. of this definition. Dan, would you just sure just give the definition quick? And yeah, yeah, yeah. we're running. We're using uh, again material we're borrowing from, plagiarizing. <laughs> J. Robert Clinton. We're citing our source, Dr. Bobby Clinton. Really, yeah. I learned a lot of stuff 25, 30 years ago from this material I was showing Sam today. It's really. In depth, lots of detail. We're not even getting close to touching on the detail, but the definition is a good definition. Okay, spiritual leadership. It's it's this one who is um, has a God-given capacity. We already discussed that. Go back and listen to that, and then has a God-given responsibility. We did that last time. Who is influencing? That would become this big center thing if you were to diagram, you know, the definition. Influencing a specific group of God's people for God's purposes for the group. Hmm. So. Uh, this week we're going to jump into that center kind of thing that so we have a God-given capacity, God-given responsibility, and influence. So right. just think of this word influence. There's this word influence, and um, another word that's often used there. And though in our weird spiritual postmodern world, people may misunderstand it, but it's empowerment, mm. and it simply means like I, God has entrusted me to something, and and I'm 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 handing it to other people. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that. But it's mm-hmm. knowledge, it's uh, influence, it's a transformation, it's a model, it's an example. There's all a lot to all that. But I'm influencing somebody else to actually be transformed and moved in a capacity right. in their life. Right. So that we're, we're kind of getting into an aspect of the definition now where, okay, we've, we've kind of defined who or, or what a leader is. Now we're kind of getting to what a leader does. Hmm. Good, yeah. This is what you do as a leader. You influence. Again, we're, we're kind of giving a, a Christian definition of, of leader. What is a Christian leader? What does a Christian leader do? He's influencing a group of God's people for God's purpose for that people. And so I think what we should do, before we even really get into uh, influence, we have to first define, well, what's the purpose? What's the broad umbrella purpose um, that God has for every, you know, one of his children, sons and daughters. Like, mm. what, what's, what's the purpose for existence, we could even say? Mm. Why do we exist? Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's an important question. Um, and, I mean, simply, I guess you could say we, we exist to glorify God. Oh, well, what does that mean? Well, we, we exist to uh, worship God to exalt him, to praise him for who he is yeah. and what he's done. And and that's our purpose. Sure. Is, so, there, is there a sense there, Sam, that we reflect him? Yep. Man was to reflect? Yep. In a sense, be God's representative on earth, right? Yep, yep, yep. So God rules the universe. We are to rule his created order. Um, and we're to spread his image across the world, and we're yeah. to yeah represent him yeah. in his his uh, his attributes in a sense, his yeah. communicable attributes, his wisdom, yeah, his his goodness. Well, that isn't that good. We hadn't even thought about this, you know, before we started these podcasts. Obviously, we have a discussion. 
you know, right. people can imagine we're thinking about how to, where, where do we want to go with this? But isn't that interesting when you just said that, like we are to, um, this would go to the leadership idea, yeah. which we eventually will get to, is that is that there's a specific arena that each of us have been given to demonstrate that. Yeah. Now you can talk about the whole globe, but I, I'm not, God hasn't given Dan or Sam the whole globe. Right. But I, but I have this space. And we've already talked a bunch about that in the past, but even in manhood and such, right? Like a young man is given a space. Yep. Or a young woman too. And you are to demonstrate stewardship in that space. And yeah. as you do, and as you grow older, maturity, if you will, is like the space is expanded. Mm. <laughs> yep. And you get more. Faithful with little, faithful with much. Yep. You get more and more space. And so, I mean, it's glorifying God, right? Right. But, but carrying out this, reflecting God in this space that he's given me. Right. The responsibility, this space to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean. That's cool. We can think about pre-fall, Adam's role of, of keeping Yep. The garden. Yep, tending the garden. Tending the garden. Uh, Bringing with, order. With yep. his wife being fruitful and multiplying. Again, spreading the image of God, of God around the globe. They're in the garden, but they're supposed to do what they were called to do in the garden, out of the garden. They're supposed to, in a sense, go out of the walls of the garden and do this all over the globe. Yeah, expand, right? Yeah. Adam was was formed from the, the ground outside of the garden, and then he was placed in the garden yeah. by wow. God to keep and to tend it and to cultivate it. Yeah, that's good. And and then, in a sense, be fruitful, multiply, and eventually you're going to burst out of the yeah. the bounds of the garden again, and you're going to do this everywhere. Yeah. yeah. This wild world that God created. It's that's good, good, but it's wild. It needs to be tamed. It needs to be yeah. domesticated. Yeah. Well, and it goes to what we've talked about, I think, in other podcasts. We've mentioned this idea of leadership again. We've learned from Clinton and others this idea of shepherd yeah. versus harvest. These two different leaders in the end have this giftedness, and the shepherd is thinking about the local church, if mm-hmm. you will, this community, and the harvest is thinking, okay, how do we blow outside these seams and get and take this to the world? Mm-hmm. And the both and both work in concert. It's a mm-hmm. symphony. It's not a cacophony. It's right. not supposed to be. Right. So now, that's pre-fall. Fall, sin enters the world, and it messes everything up. You okay. Jacks yeah. everything up. And so now, a Christian leader who's leading Christian people, God's people, mm-hmm. there's a specific you know, purpose, goal in mind here. Obviously, uh, if somebody's going to glorify God, if they're going to reclaim uh, that, that original uh, purpose for their existence, to glorify God, to worship Him, to exalt Him, um, to rule the world as, as His representative... Well, one, you need to you need to get your sin dealt with. You're guilty and you're going to hell, and you don't even know God. You don't you don't obey Him. You suppress the truth and unrighteousness. You you hate God. You're an enemy of God. So, step one, you need to be saved. God needs to save you. You need to have an experience with the gospel, where the Holy Spirit regenerates your heart, makes you alive in Christ, so that you can even start back on this original purpose of of glorifying uh your creator mm-hmm. so once that's done once you're saved and once you're a christian once you're indwelt with the spirit of god and he resides in you and you're in christ you're part of the church you're part of his body now what is the job of a christian leader both in the home in the church he's to in a sense 
exemplify the goal of Christian sanctification and Christian maturity. Mm -hmm. He's to help you become holy, help you become like Christ, lead the way in becoming like Christ. And so I think of like Ephesians 1 is one of those uh, incredibly um, bedrock, you you could say, texts where it kind of lays out the big plan. The plan. This is it. Paul is kind of laying it out in one chapter. The big plan for the universe, and and the work of Christ. Starting in verse three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, before God even created the universe. He chose us. He chose us. For what? He says that we should be holy and blameless before him. Set apart, holy, perfect, pure, holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. So, I mean, that's incredible. The incarnation, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, all of that, the the death and burial and resurrection of Christ, all that was predetermined so that we could be adopted as sons and daughters and be holy and blameless before him according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. There is that big picture right there, the big purpose to praise God for his glorious grace, to praise him for his attributes, which with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the rich, the riches of of his, or where, where am I here? According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So hmm. I could even go further in him. We have obtained an, inherit, an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise, there it is again, big picture, big purpose, to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. There it is again, praise yeah. of his glory. Praise of his glory. Yeah. Praise of his glory. Yeah. So, and a part of that, this is... This is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think it's important. Grace, to the praise of his glorious grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor and undeserved gift. And so in God's plan, mm-hmm. he he needed a people that were undeserving, that were in a sense sinful and wicked. And yeah. so in his plan, he, he predestined that sin would be in the world. He predestined that man would be fallen and need a savior and not deserve him. And then he comes down in the form of a son, the second person of the Trinity, to yeah. live the perfect life, to die as our substitute, so that his grace would be put on display. Yeah, that's that's what I'm it's thinking. It's deep. No, and I always like that if you get to Ephesians 2. Yeah. It's really clear there. Um, you drop down uh, about verse 4, chapter 2. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even while we were dead in our transgressions. Yeah. But here it is. Made us alive together with Christ. 
uh, by grace you have been saved, look at six, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that, that's what I always like, yeah. so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Yeah. That's it. Put on display. Put on display grace. Yeah. For in ages to come, people go, oh, these people are undeserving. Exactly. Right. And so people people ask the question, this is, this is okay, well, now we're kind of going in this direction, but I think it's so fascinating. People ask, well, why, why did, if God is all good, yeah. if God is all powerful, mm-hmm. if God is all knowing, just, righteous, holy, everything, all these attributes that we know God, you know, mm-hmm. possesses, is why would he let evil into the world? Why would he allow evil? Why wouldn't he stop it? Why would he not create a universe without evil? Because he certainly could have. Okay, and you think you have the answer to that? I think the answer is <laughs> to display grace. Well, one of the answers for it, right? Yeah, one of the answers is display grace. It puts his mercy on display. Puts his mercy on display. It really does. It yeah. does. Yeah, that, that, that's part of it. If, if the plan is to bring about a people who, for eternity future, yeah. one, are holy, but two, are in their holiness... As sons and daughters are praising God for His grace, His yeah. immeasurable grace. Yeah. Then these people have to truly have an understanding that they don't deserve Him. Isn't that crazy? It's really weird, strange to me. That's that um, Hesed, right? Steadfast love, covenant love, yeah, faithfulness, covenant the, the steadfast love. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yep. And uh, what's interesting to me is like, you know, I'm thinking of specific people i just won't mention it on podcast but like in some ways the person that seems today somebody listen to this podcast maybe you have somebody you love okay that seems really far away from the lord there's actually this amazing setup mm. because the farther they're away they actually have some kind of capacity potential being set up to experience love like somebody who didn't wander so far away right it's crazy. Jesus asked his disciples that. Same who, who loves the most, yep. right? The one that was forgiven the most, most sin. And so sometimes it gives me hope in different situations. Yep. Some of that no podcast would probably read into that because they know my per, some of my personal stories. But like, there's people I love that are really far away. Yeah. To, in my mind, they seem far away. Yep. I know they're not far from the Lord. I get that. But like, there's another part of it. It's a setup. Like. They have the potential to be the greatest, greatest lovers of God. Yeah, because they because they're so far away. It's like crazy, right? It's like you have to pray for, right? So, but that's the thing. Like, yeah, it was always God's plan that the Son, the Eternal Son, would come down and suffer in the place of sinners, enemies, haters of God, that suffer in their place, be punished by the Father for their sin. Yep. That was always the plan, mm-hmm. the plan for the fullness of time. Yeah. So that, again, we who were predestined to be blameless and holy, yeah. though we were also, you know, and a part of that whole thing, though, is we were also predestined to fall and predestined to actually be enemies of God. Yeah. Yet it was to set it up. Yeah, set up, divine set up. Divine set up. Yeah. That we would behold him for being... A God of immeasurable grace. Yep. So all that to say. Yeah. Yeah. Get to the point, Sam. We're talking about leadership. The point is leadership. <laughs> leadership. And a sense, oh, the goal of our lives as individuals, as as Christians, is to be holy as Christ is holy. Yeah. Be conformed. Into so his that image, right? we can 
be perfect worshipers of him for eternity, worshiping and glorifying him for his grace, for his mercy, yeah. for his love. And so we're in this we're in this period of our lives right now. If you've been saved, it means you've been justified. Yeah. Which means you're you're legally righteous before God. You're 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 legally righteous. You have we call it an imputed righteousness from Christ. Christ's right. righteousness is accredited or imputed is the technical term to your life yeah. through faith. Think of faith as a channel. Through faith applied to you really by the Spirit of God who lives within you. Yeah. As he works through the gospel message. Yeah. So you're justified, you're legally righteous. The Spirit now is in you, and now you're in this process of what we call sanctification. And we might say sanctification is the the process of discipleship or whatever. Sure. Sure. So, so let me read yeah. Romans 8. Very popular passage, but let's just think it through. It's very very much what we what you're saying. Yeah. It's Ephesians on uh, Reader's Digest version of Cedars of Ephesians. Um, I don't know if I'd say that, but here it is. And we know, this is 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, yep. right? For those whom he foreknew, yep. he also predestined yep. right, to what? To be conformed to the image of his son. Boom. There it is. So that he would be the Love firstborn among words. many brethren, and these whom he predestined, he also called, and these whom he called, he also justified, and these whom he justified, he also glorified. glorified. It's an already not yet. Yep. Right? It's already true, and yet we're still in the process of being glorified yep. and all in the end. But it's it's this idea of being conformed to the image of Christ. There it is. All right? That's yeah. the goal. That's the purpose. That's the goal. And I find that interesting because I've been in discussions recently, and we can kind of tip in different ways, and we'll probably talk about this influ influence. Uh, that conformed to the image of Christ, it reminds me of the of the Great Commission a little bit, um, Matthew 28, 18 yep. through 20. And it's it's one of the little hitches that you, you I ask people, you know, I learned it many years ago. I probably would have thought it wrongly, and then I got, oh, that's what that says. It actually, you know, we're to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I command you. Yeah. And I'm always saying, does that actually say, so I'll ask people, we'll read it and say, so did Jesus say, uh, teach them everything I commanded you? And most of the time people say, well, yeah. I say, no, 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 read that again. Teach them to obey mm -hmm. everything I commanded you. And mm -hmm. so my point is, is it's not just scholarship. Right. It includes knowledge of God. There's no question we're going to talk about that. But this this reality of what we're talking about, sanctification, it's a transformation. That's what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. That a person actually increasingly becomes into the image of Christ. Right. In every aspect of their being. And yes. Not only in the way they think, in their mind. It, does, the it includes that. Mind. Includes knowledge. It includes knowledge. Includes how you think. Right. It's, it, but, it includes yep. your desires, and it includes your will. Right. Includes your will. All of it. A transformation of who you are. And that's why this discussion is so important when we start thinking of influencing. What is this spiritual leader influencing the people to become? And we all are going to have, you know, maybe leanings, let me say it that way, where we, we lean one way more than another because yep. none of us are like the perfect thing. Jesus yep. is perfect, right? So um, and what I mean by that is that I'm just thinking just because I was in these discussions recently. It's not just scholarship, I guess is what I'm saying. It is scholarship. You and I deeply believe in scholarship. Right. It's in the sense of knowledge of God, you know, deeply, richly dining on the Word of God and we could say theology and these thinking things. But it's not just that, right? Because somebody could have a scholarship and pass the test, but it's about a transformed life. Right. It's transformed. You apply it. 
Yeah, and it, it literally transformed life. And that's they, why all they, Paul's letters are structured. You have the indicatives, the facts, the doctrine, mm-hmm. and then he has this amazing logical connection, usually a therefore or a whatever or, or goes, so that. It goes to the imperative. And the imperative. Yeah, meaning meaning commands. This commands, is not, do. This is what you do. Because of this, you ought, ought live this way, right? Yep. And you should live. So I guess all I'm saying, though, is right now as we talk about transforming the image of Christ, we're talking about, if you're saying the goal, ultimately is glorify God. But it's because God... Um, rescues us, his chosen, and he comes and seals us with his spirit. His presence comes to live with us. And he begins to actually transform us into the image of his son. Right? Mm-hmm. And so the end goal is that we have, uh, in a sense, little Jesus is running all over the place. Yeah. Right? Is that, yeah. Is that blasphemous? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it is. No, I mean, we're... we're, we're we're putting on Christ. Yeah, yeah. But but like you said, there's a legal aspect of that that we, we understand, a theological. Yeah. But it's actually, no, no, no. I, I become more like the image of Christ. Yeah. I, I, I more and more attain the fruits of the Spirit. They become real. Yeah. Right. And that's he that began a good work completed. That's intended. No, that doesn't stop. Right. Right. Until I'm glorified. Until you're glorified. Which means I'm dead. Right. On this earth. I'm out of here. <laughs> Until you're given a new body. Exit stage left. Here I go. Yep. It's awesome, man. So, but yeah, but the point is, is so if you're saying, if we go back to the definition, I think what you're saying, Sam, we talked earlier, and I see where you're going, is that we're talking about an influence. The this, this spiritual leader is influencing the people. Yeah. He's using the God-given capacity with a God-given responsibility to influence the people. And we're going to get more down the road, but influencing them towards what? Glorifying God by being transformed into the image of Christ. Is that exactly. what we're saying? Okay. Yep. 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 That's it. So then, yep. Okay, the leader. What 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 role does he play? What? Yeah. How does he influence people yep. to that end, to that goal? Yep. And yeah, where do you want to go? What do you think? Well, I, there's a bunch of passages we can go to that are pretty awesome in this. Um, yeah. So my. My mind's, uh, it's probably a little random. I don't have a perfect outline in front of me, but I'm certainly thinking, uh, I, I, in one sense I started, I think, 2 Corinthians 1. I, I think of this passage. Blessed be, uh, it's uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, mm-hmm. who comforts us in all of our afflictions, mm-hmm. so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. Mm. And so it begins with, um, I've tasted and seen the Lord is good. I've tasted things of God. Mm. Um, I've, I've suffered. Uh, I've seen God provide. I've seen God show up. I have stories to tell. Yeah. And I can say, you know, I saw God do this. Mm. Not about me, but I really have seen God do this, and it, it's an encouraging Yeah to one another, right? So it's somebody who's walked a road at least half a step ahead of everybody else, maybe. Yeah. To some degree. Yeah. Right? No, he's walking with them, but in certain areas, he's a step ahead. Right. Right? So another passage I think about when I get here, Sam, is uh, we talked about this. In fact, thinking of a bunch. I'm thinking of more, but I'm thinking of uh, 1 Peter 5. It's talking about elders. You know, those that are to help lead the church. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, 
exercising oversight, yep. not, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge. Uh, but here's the, the statement I was thinking of, but proving to be an example or be examples to the flock. Yeah. So there's something about, um, you know, you were with me at one conference when we heard a preacher say this word. I really liked it. Exemplify the destination. Yep. I think that's a great way to say it. It is. You're exemplifying where you want the people to go. Right. Which assumes you're there. Right. Not just, yeah, I mean, it's real, real for you. Exactly. Which which goes to a whole discussion of leadership on this idea of influence. Um, there's an underlying assumption that we haven't really talked about much, though I hope it's laced with everything we're talking about, is that this spiritual leader, there has to be undergirding everything of the spiritual leader, um, a spirituality, you could say it that way, a spirit-filled life, something very real about his encounter with God, his and her, you know, we say his a lot, but you know, uh, his or her encounter with God that's very real, mm-hmm. you know, a personal holiness, a personal life of repentance, a yep. personal life of experience in the taste of God, the yep. experience, personal life of uh, study. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to that, right? right. When we think of, you know, so I hope I can use that word, spirituality, but just a spirit-filled life, right? a vibrant, growing Christian that becomes an example yep. for the flock. Right. And that's just such a... I wonder how, if you did a survey of, of, you know, the evangelical world in America and members of church, of good churches and to say, hey, what, do, you, do, you, do you see your pastor as that? Mm-hmm. As somebody who's exemplifying the goal, the destination of where you want to be? Is he ahead of you in his... <laughs> sanctification process is he yeah. ahead of you in his knowledge of scripture is he ahead of you in his uh, moral purity is he ahead of you in his love for the saints is he ahead of you in these ways and that's and that's a, why in most cases your elders your your leaders of your local church in a sense are actually elder elderly yeah usually they should be older than most. Yeah, you probably could say that because and, in a sense of even because they've had a journey, right? right they've had exactly. time, time, they've right? They've had time to actually be sanctified. Yeah. And that's not always the case. We see in 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 Titus, you know, with that qualification list. Yeah. Um likely, you know, this is a brand new church in 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 Crete and yeah. In most cases like well, actually the the most spiritually mature of this brand new church might actually not be that old. So right. In the Christian world and in the Christian church, it's going to be the most spiritually mature, which usually is the chronologically older people. Yeah. But it's not always. Always. Well, we have Timothy, right? Exactly. And, but but even then, Paul had to give him very special instruction. Yeah. About as a young man, how to respond to older men. Right. Be careful. Like, right. You, yep. Yep. Because there's you, something you, there. You got some edges. You yeah. got some ability that, or ed, yeah, not edges. You have some abilities, yeah. maybe some insights that they may not have yet. Right. But be pretty humble about it. Right. Right. Because maybe they have some wisdom of life that you don't even have yet. Yeah. Even though you you have some insight. So, right. So Paul's cautious, even with a young guy. Right. To say, okay, yeah, you can lead, but right, humbly, very carefully, cautiously, right? Yep. So, 
another another part we're we're talking right now about influence, right? And so we're saying there's a part of the influence that's just an example of comforting people with the comfort you've experienced. Mm-hmm. You've went down a journey. I'm thinking of Paul in First Corinthians eleven one, be imitators of me, just as I also imitate Christ, that of Christ. Yep. Right. And so even that, I mean, what a what a statement of a man. He's a man just like the rest of us who's literally saying, you know, I, I really have worked at imitating Christ. Yeah. And I can sort of be confident to tell you to imitate me. Yeah, do what I'm doing. Yeah. Which which that is compelling to me. As a sixty year six year old guy, I'm like, am I really exemplifying in my life what I hope men become? Right. I mean it's very challenging to me. Right. Right? What am I behind closed doors what you know what is my prayer life like right. what's my thought life like what's my life like it just again if that comes back to what we talked about last time responsibility before god yeah you know because i can fool people yeah can't fool god right and another statement i use a lot um one of these ones as you get older you use all the time you know you have a handful that you're always thinking that are like your big things but i picked it up years ago but a man may or may not live what he professes but he'll always live what he really believes so you know what a man believes not by what he says not by what he professes but by how he lives there's something about that's so real and you see it in relationships you see it in how he responds to stress and suffering how's this guy really respond and that's convicting i mean i'm not saying like yeah it's convicting because I've blown it more than I care to admit. It's you know. Yeah. But is a man repentant then? Right. So even this example, when we're talking about this, don't misunderstand it. As much as we've been called to be holy, we've been called to live a certain life, right. but we've been called to live a repentant life, a repentant faith. So, do people see me fail? Mm-hmm. Did my kids see me fail and see me be repentant in mm-hmm. my failing? Failing mm-hmm. to be able to look at my kids, you know, I did fail there, mm-hmm. and I need your forgiveness. Because mm-hmm. that's part of the example. Right. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the you could say that's the um, the modeling aspect of leadership. Yeah. Sure. Hey, can I use one more? It's yeah. just a really yeah. good one. It's just Hebrews thirteen. Same yeah. thing. Same idea. Let me just throw one more on the fire. On the more log on the fire. Remember those who led you, spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Right. Right. And then he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's a lot that could be said about that, but there's a sense in which what they have set forward is enduring. Yep. You are to continue to yep. to see that and imitate that. Almost, I, I sort of think when I see hear that, I sort of think of that like the handing off the baton kind of idea or handing off a torch to the next generation kind of idea. So the idea is that you're handing something off, you know, even as you and I have this friendship, Sam, you know, mm-hmm. um, whatever we call this, we're comrades in ministry together. There's a mentoring friendship. I'm 40 years older than you. Yep. And But there's this desire to hand off a torch to you. Right. And I hope you take it way beyond me and run the laps around me. You know what I mean? Like, right. That's, that's, hopefully one day I hand it off to somebody else. We'll do the same thing, hopefully. Right. Yeah. That's kind of Stay. a Second Timothy 2-2 two, two type thing. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. one through seven. Yeah, we yeah. hand it off to reliable. Yeah. And so, but that's assuming that I'm, I'm handing something off, like an imitation of something. And I'm sitting here, here right. take this. Right, so that's part of the influence, though. Yeah, it's just the way you live, the influence by who you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. So then, yeah, how you live life. What do people observe? How do you interact with people? Mm-hmm. All that, all that stuff. Are you applying doctrine? Are you applying it to your life? Yeah. But the other side of leadership, and I mean, this is obviously we're talking about in the church, but this is, in a sense, these principles actually you can apply them to any area of leadership 
think of a father in home. He's he should be modeling. Yep. Uh, how he wants his kids yeah. to to oh, grow up. Oh, dude, that's crazy too. Obviously, I hadn't even thought about that, but like it's something we tell our kids. We've told people forever, and again, it's this principle of more is caught than taught. Yeah. Maybe you've heard that. Yeah. Maybe it's a too too much of a Christian cliche, but it really is real. We've seen it. Like your kids, good and bad. They'll do what you did. Yeah, yeah. They do. It's crazy. Yeah. I remember the time watching my son. You know, he was he, my, he was my, the oldest of my five, and he was probably, I don't know, eight years old, six years old. I bet he was six, six or seven. And I came in the bedroom, and he's laying in the bed, and he's got his hands behind his. Just imagine he's laying in bed, and you got a pillow there. Just nothing very innocent, very simple. He's got his hands, his fingers locked, and his hands are behind his head. And he's got his feet crossed, and he's got his left foot over top of his right foot. Yep. And I sat there, and I said, he's laying just like his grandpa. Yeah. And then I thought, he's laying just like his dad. Yeah. <laughs> if you came, down, if you came in a room, to, you if you look came at your grandson right now, he probably does the same thing. If you came in a room, you'd see my dad laying there, and it would be exactly how he laid, left foot over the right foot, hands locked behind his head. Yep. And I... Do the same thing, and here's a six-year-old doing the same thing. Yeah. Now think of that. Think how powerful of a of a illustration that is, though. I mean, a reality of if we pursue Christ mm-hmm. and what we're setting before our family, mm-hmm. and of course, spiritual leadership in the church. What yep. what, what are we setting? Right. And you right. think of like wow, like fathers. Are you modeling to your sons how to love a woman by loving your wife? Yes. Wives, are you modeling to your daughters how to respect a man by respecting your husband? Yep. And it's just like all that is a part of yep. leadership. Yeah. And yep. it's incredible. I mean, I even think of, too, uh, just while we're at it, parents and stuff like that. Like, again, the purpose, if you're if you're Christians and you're Christian parents and you have children, like, yep. same type of purpose, though, uh, with... I want to raise these children to be God fears, to yeah. know the Lord and to yeah. love the Lord. And so yeah. you think of uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, starting in verse four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Mm-hmm. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Yep. That's awesome, isn't it? Like? Yep. I said that before my family. Right? Exactly. And so even that, um, you can't convert your kids. We're not talking about parenting today, but, you know, we've had to learn, just learn. I mean, we knew that, but, like, seriously, Sam, yeah. see it. Like, like, you can set this tone, you long for your kids to be saved, and praise God, you know, he saves a lot of our kids right away, and we yeah. see it. But at the same time, it's a journey for some of our kids, yep. and they have to work this out, and it's hard. Um, but you still set it before them. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And then if they choose to reject it, this, mm-hmm. this, I want to say it this way. It's not just rejecting the message of the gospel. They're rejecting an entire life. Mm-hmm. You know, really, seriously, it's a big deal. You think, okay, we are covenant people, 
And we're in a covenant with this steadfast love of God, and it has huge ramifications in our life. Marriage, life, how we live, how we spend money, how we spend our time, what we see, what we don't see, you know, the whole thing. is mm-hmm. It's a whole covenant life. Mm-hmm. And we need to work at setting that up for our children. And then, you know, again, each has their own journey, but if they're going to choose to reject the gospel, there's a sense in which they're rejecting not just a message, which it is, but they're rejecting something bigger than that. Yeah. It's the whole thing around that. Yeah. It's the whole covenant life. Right. And, you know, even that, maybe that's God's way of saving a lot of, lot of, lot of us because you walk away and you go, it's a pretty ugly world. Yeah. And maybe that lighthouse was better than I knew. Right. right. And so anyway, that's, that's a separate issue. But all I'm saying is, like, I think this is formulating as we're talking about this, this influence. Yep. Right. It's not just teaching a class, though. We'll get to, it is teaching. We'll get to that. Yep. But it's this whole way of life. Yep. It, it is a way of life that, that people are seeing the way we live, the, what we do, decisions we make, how we live, how we treat people, how we repent. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, that that brings us to the second aspect of how a godly leader influences people, and it's okay. by it is by teaching. Yep, teaching. It's by teaching knowledge, instruction. Right? Yep, preaching and teaching. And I, I yep. want to read uh, from Second Timothy. Go know, ahead. Yeah, Paul is at the end of his life. He's about to die. He's at the end. Yep. These are the final words. I mean, the book of second timothy is the final letter but now we're at the end of this final letter yeah we're in the final words and he knows he's facing the end yeah he's 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 there this is it yep they're gonna be ready to be he says he's ready to be poured out as a drink offering yep this is it i've i've run the race (laughs) i've won in a sense yep (laughs) it's incredible i finished i finished i finished well i did it yep I, i remain faithful but timothy is his is the guy that he's handing the baton handing the torch off to yeah these are the last things he says to him. He goes, I charge you. Chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. What an amplifier. Like, Paul is can't can't give a, a heavier like amplification to this charge that's coming, right. coming to Timothy. Like, how do I... Yeah, amplify this charge as much as I can. Well, I'm going to do it by the presence of God and Christ Jesus in his judgment throne. Like, okay, this is serious. I better listen up. Mm -hmm. What's the charge? Verse 2, preach the word. (laughs) Oh, man. Preach it. Oh, man, I just get all tingly. Just uh. <laughs> Tingly. <laughs> tingly. Oh, man, tingly. it takes the breath out of me a little bit because it's like, holy moly. <laughs> tingly. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Preach the word. Yeah, it is, though. It's a pretty awesome charge, right? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Yep. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Yep. And then he goes on. This is just so interesting. For the time is coming yep. when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions oh, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, 
do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Yeah. Oh, man, Dan, this is our text. Oh, Dude, when I got ordained, that was what was read. Oh, and of course, I probably everybody got and you probably I don't know tingly that. too. <laughs> <laughs> tingly, it's a funny word. Oh, oh yeah, no, but I mean, this is we're talking about spiritual leadership. That's what this yep podcast about. It really is. There's Timothy this, was a spiritual leader. He was to live a life a certain way. Yep, oh, we've been emphasizing that probably even over maybe I don't know if we overemphasized it, but yeah, uh, he is to teach right. And if we went into the read through First and Second Timothy, it's something again that over think, and over and over again. Yeah, and we talk about it a lot. But he was to teach this knowledge of God. It's body of knowledge. It's, it's a body of knowledge. When he, a lot of times uh, the you know with the article in front of it, the faith. Yep. He's talking about this body, this doctrine, this yep. catechesis with you know catechism. It's like this body of knowledge right. you are to teach to people. Right. Well, we could even go before because contextually here we go. Um, yeah. You know, chapter 3, verse 14, this is again in Second Timothy, but as for yeah. you, continue in what you have learned and have, have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, that's the Old Testament, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction yeah. and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you, here we go, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, right. and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. What's this word? It's that. It's the sacred writings. It's yep. all of Scripture, which is God-breathed yep. profitable yeah. to equip saints. Yeah, yeah it's word-centered for sure. <sighs> yep. Yep. It's always been the call. Yep. It's always been the task, isn't it? And it's the it's the antidote for these itching ears. It's the antidote yeah. for people who want to go oh. to other teachers and, and hear what they just what their flesh wants to hear. It's the antidote to that. Yeah. Why do you preach the word? Well, because Timothy, because a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Yeah. Yep. That's why. Yep. You wanna you wanna combat that? You wanna help these people yep. who are wandering off? Yeah. Preach the word. Right. Why? Because it's sufficient to save you yep. and it's sufficient to sanctify you. Yeah. That's all message in itself, sufficiency of scripture. Yep. yep. And so that if we're again we're talking about spiritual leadership, we're saying influencing, uh, that's making an assumption here, uh pretty easy assumption, right? That yeah. this leader is one who is immersing himself in the word. Yeah. How are you gonna teach it right correctly? If you don't if you don't know it yeah you got to study it right and this brings up into a whole discussion too I think we should probably just let's just flip over to Ephesians 4 well I'm looking at it right now you're looking yeah at, yeah, yeah read it because uh, that this is this is important to understand yeah and so Ephesians 4 the whole context there is this unity okay yeah. the unity of the body and what God has called us to be and I'm kind of obviously jumping through some things but it uh and maybe you want me to say more Sam but I'm thinking verse 11. Jump in there. And gave That's some. Exactly so, okay. Okay. So, and he gave some as apostles, yep. some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Yep. And here's the key to me in this passage is that you got to catch. It's verse twelve. Why did he give these? And right. I think of this in light of the evangelist. Right. Okay? Because a lot of times people think the evangelist has this 
capacity to convert people maybe more than others. And I'm just, I don't think any of us convert people. I think God does. And right. I think there's a calling to the evangelist and we could have a whole discussion and we did that in another podcast. Yeah, we did. But this is the key in light of this influence. Here it is. Four, verse 12, the equipping of the saints for the works of service. There we go. Yep. So why did God give all of these? Why did God give the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, teachers? And again, we could have a discussion, you know, about the existence of, of these offices and these places. And it looks like the apostles went off the scene and the you know, that first yep. that first wave. And I understand that. And people want to talk about that. And I don't want to get into all that now. But the point in this influence is the equipping of the saints for the works of service. Two, the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Just even think earlier, being transformed in the image of God, image of the Son, right? Right. Image of Christ. Uh, So the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a mature man, Mm -hmm. to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So he's speaking to the church, if you will, to even a community of believers. You could take it individually, but it really is communal here, that this whole body becomes this... A mature man, this mature body, because they're being taught, they're being equipped with the knowledge of the Son of God. And it's interesting you mentioned, Sam, we didn't you know, spend a lot of time on it, but look what it goes on and says, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, right. the very thing you just said, right? Uh, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even go. Christ. Here we go. Into the body of Christ, right? From whom the whole body, being fit together and held together by every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So there's a corporate communal sense of this. There's the individual becoming the image of Christ. But the leader is there. These leadership offices um, were given for the equipping of the saints. Given. Again, that goes yeah. back to divine capacity. To oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Given. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. God's done this. He's raised up these people, and he said, again, we've talked enough about that. They're not more, they're not, quote, unquote, better than anybody else. It's, right. it's their calling. Right. And they have this capacity, right. and they have this responsibility, which was a burden and an accountability to God yep. to influence. How do they influence? By the equipping of the saints, the works of service. And it specifically says here, uh, you know, to, by by uh, uh, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Yep. To a mature man, to the measure of the statue. So um, we could just put the word influence there too, but this influence comes through this knowledge of God <clears throat> that comes, and uh, there's a, a teaching aspect about that, exhorting aspect, teaching yep. to obey. Yep. We talked about that. Uh, there's something about bringing the word of God to bear yep. on all of life here. Right, informing the mind, informing the life, the way we um, uh, deal with things, the day we the way we handle things, is to be hand handled. We we call it spirit filled, but it's according to the word. Yeah, and the, yeah, there's this positive side of it, and there's this negative side of it. There's this positive, teach, encourage, exhort. There's this negative, rebuke, reprove. Oh yeah, good. Correct. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's good. And it's yep. all done with the word by the leader. Yep. He's positively teaching. This is what it says. Yep. This is how you are to apply it to your life. Yep. And he's on the other side going, nope, that's wrong. Yep. I need to reprove you. I need to correct you. Nope, you're not that. You're sinning. I'm going to correct you with the word. Yep. 
and all the while he should be the leader modeling all of this both yeah, that's good correct understanding of doctrine and correct application of doctrine in his life yeah and so yeah i think keeping in mind too like second timothy this is written to uh, a leader timothy who was called to the ministry who had these giftings you know paul told him earlier like exercise your gifts yeah. teach so in front of everybody so all can see your progress like don't you know don't throw a basket or a towel over this like don't quench this flame exercise your gifting yeah but this charge to preach the word isn't a charge to every christian that's good that's fair yep it's a charge to a to a leader yeah to one of these apostles prophets evangelists shepherd teachers yeah true so, and again, keeping in mind, God gives the church these people. Yeah. He raises them up. Yeah. He equips them. This is back to divine capacity again. Yeah. Not every single person is going to be able to understand right. the depths of doctrine and scripture like these guys that God raises up. Yeah. And that's, that's something that's hard for people to grasp. There's this ditch... There's, there is this reality, like a Berean, like, hey, we can go back into the scriptures and we can search it and we can, we can, yeah, we can, uh, supposed to check and, and make sure is this guy actually handling the text properly? And we're all supposed to do that as Christians. Yeah. But there is this reality too of like, just because you are a Christian, just because you do have the spirit of God doesn't mean that you're going to be able to comprehend and understand doctrine like the guy that God raises up to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It doesn't mean that, like, you hear the the word, the perspicuity, uh, the scripture. Yeah, the reformational uh, yep. Westminster perspicuity scripture. Perspicuity scripture means it's it's clearly understandable. It's, it's, okay. it's clear. But it's clear in those things that have to do with salvation. Yes. Like it's, a child's can understand it. Yeah, yep. exactly. The 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 scriptures are extremely clear that yeah, a child can understand and be saved. But there are deep there are doctrines that are meat, you know, they're 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 hard to understand. Yeah, um I'm I'm trying to think. I know where I'm let me think about this. Where does he say this? Peter says this about Paul. Yeah. Some remember, of the Remember, remember what he said. What's he say at the end of First or Second Peter? Right yeah, here. they confuse the scriptures as they do the other scriptures. Do you yeah, they this? twist them, and some of the things that Paul says are harder to understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where is that? It's in, is it First or Second Peter? I can't remember. Yeah, now. I think it's Second Peter. But right there, it is right there in God-inspired scripture, saying that some things are hard to understand. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's my point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, here it is. It's Second uh, Peter chapter three. Beloved, since you look for these things, verse 14, be diligent to be found in him in peace, spotless and blameless. Regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all of his letters, speaking in them of these things, which are some things hard to understand, Yep. which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures, which yep. is interesting. He's calling the writings of Paul scripture, which is really cool. Yep. Um, but he he is saying that there's things hard to understand. Yep. And there's, that it's things and that, that take work. Yep. Immature, weak Christians 
actually do twist them and distort them and misunderstand them. Yeah, and this is a hard one. We're, you're you're going on a road that maybe even another podcast for another day. Yeah, Sam, because you're right. because the problem is, and I understand the nervousness of this or the concern. Some of you might be thinking, because we're not setting up an elite Christian. No, that's yeah. You know, it's, we do, it's you know, a fine the, it's, line, it's the whole. It goes back to the Reformation of like the priesthood, priesthood and, and priesthood of all yep. believers and, and we lay, all laymen. Need to study and, and, read and, and so and yes, everybody and has access to God. So you're not saying that, right? But we are saying that God calls certain people, and sometimes they even have the privilege and the honor to be able to have some kind of a, a freedom. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced that in my life. It's it's pretty humbling, really. Like, you know, we've had people that really believed in us and supported us financially, which gave me freedom with my time. I didn't always have the most finances right. in life, right. <laughs> believe me, but um, but I had freedom and time mm-hmm. to either spend time with people and particularly to spend time just you know I'm a, I'm able to literally go into my office, you know, off my garage to get a little office off my garage, yeah, and I literally could spend six or eight hours studying a, a particular passage. Yeah. And not a lot of people have the freedom to do that. And so it's pretty humbling, honor, or privilege. Yeah, it's incredible. God's yeah. been very kind to me in that. So I don't want to think that I'm a leader better than somebody, but God has given me like right. some equipping, right? Say providence capacity, yeah. allowed me to study some of these things and then gave me the time and freedom to do it. Yeah. And there's something about that that's right and good. Right. Right. And so... It's um, a stewardship thing. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of another passage in that you were talking about this. See, there's another thing, that, and maybe we're going too far down that road, but probably worth talking about a little bit. Is this the, uh, Just today I was sharing this verse with some guys. First letter of, of Timothy, again, 1 Timothy, uh, chapter, chapter 1, verse 3. And he says, As I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. There it is. Uh, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation, stuff we can't know for sure, doesn't mean we can't ponder it, but they get all hung up on it, rather than furthering, I really think this is incredible, furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. So mm-hmm. they get wrapped up on arguments, did Adam have a belly button? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> well, they do. It's crazy. Yeah. We, we want to argue things that sometimes we really don't know for sure. We don't. Right. It doesn't mean we shouldn't think about it and ponder it. We should use our brains. But the bottom line is it doesn't further the administration of God. It doesn't further the project. Right. The missional. And the leader can say, nope, we're not that's, talking that's, about that's, this. It's, not, this helping, it's help, not helping the mission. And then he says, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. Yeah. Now look, pure heart. A good conscience yep. and a sincere faith. Yep. Okay, there's a leader. You need to have a a love for a pure from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Talks about your spirituality. But look at verse six. For some men straying from these things have turned aside to the fruitless discussions. And here's the kicker that I again, and we gotta be careful, but but listen. Wanting to be teachers of the law. Okay, even though they do not understand. Either what they are saying, and this is the big one, or the matters about which they make confident assertions. They think they know what they're talking about. And as you're sometimes, and again, we all have to watch our pride, and and I can't pretend I know everything, but you do see people make this confident assertion. You're like, I don't think you've really studied this. What does Paul tell Timothy to do at the beginning? To silence silence those people. 
it's really crazy. We have a lot of people who think they know what they're talking about. Yeah. That's the thing. And I'm like, but that's not what that's really teaching. And I, and I get that there's places that, you know, we can, you know, overread, underread. We, you know, we can differ yeah. on some things, but there's some things like, but that's not really what that's saying. Yeah. And it's so a, it's a sobering thing to think about the place of the leader, though. Yeah. And again, let's go back. We don't need to go far way back, but we talked about this under um, uh, responsibility. Yeah. Um, I am going to be accountable to God. Yeah. yeah. And so even when I say I don't think that's what it means, or I'm pretty confident it doesn't, it isn't what it means. Right. Um, let's just say I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm going to be accountable to God. Yeah. And so we already taught, we labored that the yeah. last podcast, but there is a huge burden that you carry in your shoulders to make sure that if I'm going to say, thus says the Lord, I'm pretty stinking yeah. confident that it's thus says yeah. the Lord. I really, like, I've really worked this through enough yeah. to go, this is pretty clear. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, that's a, it's, it's a, it's an interesting thing because I think, you know, there's this reality, there's this phenomenon, maybe that's the wrong word to use, where, like, and this is in any area of life, any discipline in life, you yeah. don't know what you don't know, type of thing, where uh, once you're exposed to the body of knowledge in this discipline, you realize, oh man, yeah, that's true. I don't know anything. I know just a sliver of this. Well, that's definitely what happens in seminary. It happens in seminary. Habits in anything. Like if you're yeah. gonna get into the medical field, then you you. You know, you do your pre-med degree, and it's like, oh, I know a little bit about this. Oh, and you kind of think you are pretty arrogant. Oh, I'm blah, yep. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then you get into it, and you're actually at medical school probably. And again, I, I'm just assuming because yeah. I haven't done that. But then you actually get yeah. exposed to the body of research and knowledge that exists in this discipline. You go, oh, dang. I know such a little teeny bit. And the thing is, is you got all these people that haven't even done their pre-med degrees. They don't have any idea about science and they make confident assertions about medical issues when they don't even know a lick about it. No, they, well, yeah, they do. They watched YouTube and yeah. got their first aid merit. <laughs> I say it all the time. I'm like, so, and I'm, and, and, and I hope people don't hear what we're not saying. We're right. not saying, I mean, that could go into this whole mask thing that happened to yeah, us. Yeah, I don't want because the they're, they're not they're, saying all that, but. Because there is a point where things get political, and then you just yeah. Go, that, okay. But but in fairness, there are to your point. Right. That's what I'm saying. I've yeah. seen people who you know watched a YouTube or right. got a first aid merit badge or read one little book on theology, and they really think they have the answer. Right. And I just think there needs to be a. I hope there's a humility with right. that. Is what because we all because that's what happens a lot of times. The more you study, you actually realize like okay, there. I see why people come right. down on the other side of right. this. And I think they're wrong, right? But I can see why they do, right? And then sometimes people want to argue, like, "Yeah, but you haven't heard the other side of that argument. Right. You're not really representing the other side really well." Right. And I'm not agreeing with right. the other side. I've gotten those cuts right. lots of people before. Like, right. I'm just trying to help them be humble, saying, "Wait, but wait a minute. Here's the other argument." And then they think you're trying to make the other argument. I'm like, "No, I'm not making the other. Like, I don't believe the other argument." Yeah. But they are thoughtful, and, and they've you know say a biblical discussion right and so to the, theo the theological aspect to it, or discipline of it it's like for for example because i just started my phd program it's probably why we're kind of hung up on this right now even in yeah. our podcast right because your gears are turning on all this yeah it's like for instance just for an example just so you guys understand like um i'm gonna get into my my first uh theology class for my phd studies here starting october 3rd doctrine of god and creation and it's a, you know, it's a 15, 16 week class. And by week eight, 
two months in, we have to have read like about 5,000 pages <laughs> of, the, of the headiest, deepest theology that's been written. Aquinas, yeah. Augustine, Anselm. Augustine? Augustine. Or Augustine. Augustine, what are they, whatever. What do they call him up here? Uh, Augustine, I think. Okay. Um, Charnock, one oh, of yeah. the best Puritan minds. Like, five thousand, four or 5,000 pages of that in, in, the, by in, eight months, we- in eight weeks. In eight weeks. And that's just one class. Yep. And then we have a bunch of other classes that we have to take. And that's all before you even start your dissertation. Yeah. And all the reading you have to do for your dissertation. And, and that's after you already got done with your Master of Divinity. Yeah. And all the reading that you do and all the study that you do and learning Yeah, Hebrew, and technically, if people don't know, when you hear Master of Divinity, technically, it's a four or five year process. It's, degree. It's, it's like a, yeah, it's like if another to, four year were, degree, yeah, but you, at the master's level. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. so you would get an undergrad, so people that don't know. Yeah. And then you've spent four years immersed in more biblical theological study for right. four full years. Right. And now you're going to spend another four or five years in PhD study. In eight weeks reading 5,000 pages. For just one class. Think of how, how many think of how many pages, how many words you read in in, in theology. Yeah. And and the thing is then is like and hopefully if my heart is pure, yep. There's this there should be this humility about it and this deep desire and longing. Yep. To be equipped to to be uh, to steward well this calling to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Right. Yep. And and that's kind of the the picture though of to realize like the people who make confident assertions about the things they don't really understand. Yep. And so if we go back beginning, kind of maybe I don't know how you want to pull it to the end, but a spiritual leadership. Yeah. Is this leadership sustained over time by which a person who's called yeah. has a capacity that God's providentially wired into them and uh, a God-given responsibility to influence. Yeah. And that influence involves their life. Yep. You know, a consider him who endured such opposition. That's another verse. Yeah. I got to bring that one up with a great one, right? Uh, uh, Hebrews 12, yeah. one, 1, 2, 3. Um, the so there's set before him. Yeah. So there's consider him. There's this yeah. example, and even the leader sets an example. Imitate your leader. Yep. And so there's an influence by example, and then there's an influence by actually teaching the people. Yep. Pe- teaching yep. about knowledge to the best of your ability. Yep. Right. Yep. That's it. Yeah, that's good. And the the father does it on the home. The parents do that for the children. Yep. I mean that's. Yeah, that's good. That's leadership in a sense. Yeah. Well, we're at an hour. That's awesome, man. Just like that. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Preach and Persuade podcast. Again, if you want to help support Dan and I's ministry, uh, we we work as evangelists. You know, think of Ephesians four again: the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. We really do believe that the evangelist is this actual God called, you know, category for for leadership in the yeah. church. Yeah, and so we do see our calling as that of uh, equipping the saints. For the yeah, ministry. yeah, and we want to connect with young men. Yeah, right? we do. Who are called? Who have a sense of a calling in their life towards yep. that? I mean, like, yep, love tracking those guys down and getting to know them, seeing yep. if we can encourage them, help them in some way, and that's what AFCI is. It's a fellowship of men who are evangelist, preacher, teacher dudes, man. Yep, and that's, that's what a- we're that's what we're about. That's what we do. So if you want to help support our ministry financially speaking, I mean, you can always yeah. support us in prayer. Yep. Um, 
you can check out our website afci.us uh we're gonna we're close to to revamping our site oh, yeah. soon yeah we're, we're working on that so it's a little bit outdated but bear with us we're working on that but again it's still a working website so you can go and make a donation read some of our bios if you want yep um another way just for this podcast uh again i've heard that you know with how algorithms and all that stuff work if you give this podcast a five-star rating it helps get the this podcast in front of more people yeah however that works i don't know but that's something that you could help us do if you like what you're hearing and you want other people to hear it that's how you do it apparently um but yeah again thanks for listening and tuning into the next episode of the preach and persuade podcast bye